Welcome back to Jonah 1, 4 through 17, part 2. And if you can believe that, we are going to be a uh, uh, in this for three uh, lessons. But anyway, let's open in prayer. Father, we just thank you for bringing us here. We just ask that you would just um, be glorified through my words and what we know not teach us and what we have not give us and what we are not make us. For Jesus' sake, amen. All right, um, I'm going to read John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39 says, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But you are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Uh, the song that I'd like for you to look up and the lyrics to is Trust and Obey. And um, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And Jonah 1, 4 through 17, we're going to read again. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out in his own, to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck, where he lay down and fell asleep into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up. Call on the name of your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. But then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lights, and the light fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for this, making all of this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because Jonah had already told him so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, please do not let the, us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O oh Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. <clears throat> but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Jonah 1, 4 through 17. First, we discovered Jonah heading down to Joppa to flee from the Lord's will. Today, we discover him heading down into the belly of the ship and then down into the water and then eventually down into the belly of the whale, as scripture points out. And make no mistake about it, again, a journey of sin is always a way down. A journey away from God's presence is always a way down. <clears throat> as long as we are willingly choosing to delve into sin, we break our relationship with the Lord. He has not made us as robots. 
but he allows us to choose our own paths, his way or our way. And sadly, we very often choose wrongly. When we knowingly choose the wrong path, like Jonah, we will suffer loss, to say the least. And so will many in our spheres, as you will soon see. As we talked about last week, there will always be consequences to sin, just as surely as there are blessings in obedience. And the tentacles of both consequences and blessings can be far-reaching. We are not stagnant people, and we do not stay in the same. In our walks, we will either be going backwards or forwards. Remember, or upwards or downwards. Remember how low <clears throat> the prodigal son went before he eventually looked up. And there's nothing new under the sun. Therefore, Scripture calls us to be spiritually vigilant. Jonah needed a good dose of vigilant love. He didn't care for the lost in Nineveh. Indeed, he wanted no part in seeking their repentance, hence his fleeing from the Lord. And his vigilance appears to wax and wane as much as his love did as he slept soundly in the belly of the ship. So soundly, it was as if he were dead asleep and as if the belly of the ship were the grave itself. Jonah's passivity contrasts greatly with the sailor's uh, frenetic activity, does it not? His thoughts were on sleep, not on safety, or revival, or survival, or obedience, for that matter. Jonah had to learn the danger of trying to maneuver his life to suit his feelings and needs, rather than aligning himself with God and his will for Jonah's life. We too must learn that we cannot pick the mission to accomplish for God. We have to align our own lives with God's. Listen for his message to us and steer ourselves only where he leads. God does not call us to determine what we want to do and then to ask him to bless our choices, which we're so prone to do. Mission for God is not a smorgasbord of choices. It is a command to join God where he is at work. And I might add, there is nothing like it, as it is an enormous blessing to stand firm in God's will, mature and fully assured. Jonah's attitude and reactions are nothing short of amazing, particularly in contrast with the concern of the pagan mariners. Here he is, the Christian or the God-fearing Jew, he is below deck, asleep, under, under, undisturbed by the storm's tossing of the ship. Perhaps he felt secure there. Obviously, he was insensitive to the danger both to him and to others. It is ironic that a pagan ship captain had to call a man of God to prayer. The captain was desperate and even appeared snarling when he woke him up. The great one of the ropes, quite literally the Hebrew rendering for captain, wanted every known God appealed to, every base covered, so to speak, so that one of them perhaps might grant relief from their peril, and they would not all perish. Calamities always call us to cry out to a higher authority, amen, even pagans. The need was so great that the men despaired for their lives, yet God's servant slept what an object lesson to God's people to awaken them from their apathy as crying people perish in the sea of life. Spurgeon says, Oh, that I had a trumpet voice to warn you. Oh, while you were dying, while you were sinking into perdition, may I not cry out to you? May not these eyes weep for you? 
Take to heart, I beseech you, the realities of eternity. Oh, turn, turn, while you die. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Um, that was written by Spurgeon back in 1869. I was trying to remember. We are nearly, we are merely beggars telling others, beggars, where to go and get bread. As we pointed out last week, God loves all men, and he desires for all to accept him and be saved. God's definition of love, unlike Hollywood's, is a love that does rather than merely being a feeling. In 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul describes this love clearly. We are to do as an act of the will, and the feeling will follow. Don't follow feelings. Emotions are always the caboose, so to speak. They wax and they wane, come up and down, for example. It's hard to remain angry at someone when you are sincerely interceding for them. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 tells us the definition of love. It is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not easily angered or self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And my favorite part is love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect will disappear. I love the fact that love never fails, right? In verse 8, we certainly don't feel the love here with Jonah, do we? He didn't care a nanosecond about the people of Nineveh. Nor did he care about the sailors on the boat, nor his own life, for that matter. His wandering mimics those of us who are finally just done with it all. Ever been there? We may feel like hiding from God when he seeks to interrupt our lives. Other times we get caught up in our busyness or make excuses when we sense he might be trying to get our attention and change our course. More often than not, Indifference overtakes us. Things just seem too stinking hard. We just want to give up. Others appear to have it so easy. Unfortunately, I can relate here. It's surely not a way to bring God glory, and it reeks of walking in the flesh. Amen. Remember, all flesh will eventually fail us, and we'll never make it through the fire that will test the quality of each man's work. That's why we also desperately need a Savior. And praise Jesus, we have one. In our daily lives, or especially when God asks of us something that seems so out of our ability to accomplish, and by the way, isn't that just everything? He will give us the power we need to do, to do it. He always gives us the power to, to do his will. We must constantly remember what Paul tells us in Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who strengthens me. Everything is an all-inclusive word, right? Is it not? Leading us with um, no ifs, ands, or buts added. <laughs> Furthermore, whatever God calls us to do, we can rest assured we'll have grace sufficient to meet the need to do it. He will equip us. 
We can do nothing eternal on our own power. Nothing. Works that are eternal are always done through His power, for His glory alone. To walk in a manner worthy of the gospel is impossible to sustain in the flesh, and we therefore need His power moment by moment, right? To accomplish this so great an endeavor. As we do His will, we can be confident we will have His power readily available, which is, quite frankly, needed in all of life. And like I said before, His will is always for our good. It's always good and pleasing and perfect. Yet sadly, we are all such selfish sinners, desirous of our own ways. And like Jonah, we can spiral down so quickly. This is why our spiritual vigilance is of utmost importance. Michael Yusuf states, Maybe you are feeling the weight of your circumstances closing in on you. You have longed to be free. But you have remained shackled to this world in ways that only God knows and understands. If you seek Him, He will set you free from the sin of worry, doubt, fear, hopelessness, lustful feelings, and more. When you pray with a sincere heart, the Lord will be found by you. Then your witness and testimony will become a way to glorify God and lead others into his throne room of mercy and grace, Michael Yusuf. Remember, in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, God had called the Jews through Abram to be a blessing to all nations of the earth, and his people are still to be a blessing to all the nations of all the earth. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country. Just hold on, don't hold on to anything your people, and your father's household. Leave them and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, 1-3. This is Abraham's promise. God reiterated the promise to Jacob, Abraham's grandson. In Genesis 28, 13-14. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Again, Genesis 28, 13 through 14. Yet whenever the Jews were out of the will of God, they brought trouble instead of blessing. Amen? Just like I was telling you, the tentacles go far-reaching. Consider for a moment all that Jonah lost in not being a blessing to others. First, he lost the voice of God. We do not read that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, but that a great storm broke loose over the waters. God was no longer speaking to Jonah through his word. He was speaking to him through his works. The sea, the wind, the rain, the thunder... The fish, sadly, everything in nature obeyed God except his servant. May that not be true of us. 
Secondly, Jonah also lost his spiritual energy and vigilance. He went soundly to sleep during a fierce storm and was totally unconcerned about the safety of himself and of others. The sailors were throwing their livelihood overboard and casting their wares and cargo into the sea, and Jonah, too, was about to lose everything, yet he slept on. Even the captain came to him, asking him, could he sleep during such a calamity and to get up and pray to his God so that they would not perish? He couldn't understand it. His lack of spiritual energy is reminiscent to those written of in Proverbs 24, 33-34. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty comes upon you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Thirdly, Jonah lost his power in prayer. The heathen sailors were calling on their gods for help, while Jonah just slept straight through the prayer meeting. Amen. <laughs> this one man on board who knew the true God and could pray to him. Of course, Jonah knew if he turned to the Lord in prayer, he would first have to confess his sins and determine to obey God, something that he was not at that time at all interested in doing. Psalm sixty-six eighteen tells us, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. Loss of power in prayer is one of the most first indications that we are not, that we are far from the Lord and need to get right with Him. Fourth and lastly, Jonah sadly lost his testimony. He certainly was not living up to his name, meaning dove, which is a symbol of peace nor of his father's name, meaning Amate, meaning faithful and truthful. These were something Jonah was not. <laughs> Remember Paul's urging to us in Romans 10, 14 through 15, when he says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Romans 10, 14 through 15. I think we could safely say that Jonah's feet weren't being beautiful. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for for Jonah's life and testimonies that we can learn the takeaways from it and what to do and what not to do, Lord. Help us to be keeping our eyes focused on things above, not on earthly things. And guide us, Lord, with your eye upon us, as you always do, for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message by Beth from Sharing Bread Ministries. You're welcome to pass this message along to others, but please do not charge for it or alter it in any way without the written permission from Sharing Bread. This content has been provided to you free of charge by the generous supporters of Sharing Bread. For additional information on Sharing Bread, you can look for us online at sharing-bread.com. 
You can find Bible teachings for adults and kids, links to podcasts and other resources to help you grow in the Lord. Again, that website is sharing-bread.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in touch with Sharing Bread. Sharing Bread, laboring to grow up families in Christ.